It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Earl Nightingale once said, Whatever we plant in our subconscious mind and nourish with repetition and emotion will one day become a reality. Good morning, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for joining us today. This is a call-in format. We are caller-friendly. So let's get started. Good morning, Jonathan. What's going on? Good morning, Rick. Our question for this morning is, how do you stand when life gets heavy? Our theme text is found in James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay. Life can get heavy sometimes. It can happen for all kinds of reasons. Our own poor judgment or mistakes, circumstances beyond our control, accidents or a tragedy. Whatever the reason, the fact is that sometimes life just becomes a heavy burden. When life does get heavy, we begin to doubt and to fear, which opens the door to begin down that ever-consuming road of discouragement and even depression. So, how do we fight this? How do we find a formula that will help us stand up and walk under the weight to fight through the fear and to persevere through the pain? How can we transform the heaviest experiences of our lives into the best growing experiences of our lives? Wow, that's heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Those are important questions. They are. And just by our conversation before we started this morning, Jonathan, a lot of people experience great heaviness in their lives. Oh, they do. Through through their experiences and and, and their trials and their burdens. Oh, yes. So hopefully this will be a very, very practical, uh, applicable program that you can take with you and say, okay, I can start today to help to change that circumstance. Rick, the quote that you started with, yes. whatever we plant in our subconscious mind and nourish with repetition and emotion will one day become a reality, yep. that can be used for good and bad both, couldn't it? Right, right. So th- that's I, I think that's the first key to the whole lesson is understand that we plant things consciously. We choose to plant things in our subconscious mind. Right or wrong. Right or wrong, whoa, good or bad, whoa. things that can transform us for, for, to, towards greatness okay. or things that can pull us down into misery. We can choose to plant those things into our subconscious mind. And, and, and really, we want to focus on that part of the quote because it's such an important thing for us to make sure that our choices of what we plant into our subconscious mind uh, are really, really valuable choices. Because, you know, you can plant a thought, and then it says you plant it with repetition and emotion. Those are two keys to getting a thought to take root in your head. Okay. Okay. And uh, Earl Nightingale, he's called the dean of personal development because very, very wise in, in, in looking at and dealing with 
all of the, the, the parts of life that need to be put in place. So in order to accomplish the major task of understanding the weight of the burdens of our lives differently, we need to adopt something, a method by which we can, we can do this. And what we've chosen to loosely fit this is Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Folks, if you're not familiar with the book, it is a wonderful, wonderful book. I've read it actually several times. And we're going to take those seven habits and apply them to dealing with the burdens of life because I think that they really help us put things in order. Again, they're, they're, those habits were not designed for this particular purpose, but I think they serve as a good guideline for us. Sounds good. So James 1-2. Okay, well, you know, our, our theme scripture was James 1-12. Mm-hmm. The context of that begins in James chapter 1, verse 2. And that second verse of uh, James chapter 1 is actually teaching us the first two of these habits. So what's habit number one? Rick, it's be proactive. Most of us live reactively, and we slog along. Growth only happens through a proactive approach. You know, people just tend to slog through life. <laughs> yes, they do. It's not a word we often use. Hey, well, I don't know. It made sense to me. Anyway. <laughs> what can I tell you? But, you know, you're dragging yourself through life. That's, what that, that's the picture. With no purpose. Right. And we end up reacting because we're dragging ourselves through life instead of learning to be proactive. So let's go to James 1, uh, verses 2. Now, I'm going to go 2 through 18 throughout the entire program, but let's, right. let's start with verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Okay, now trials really means proof or adversity. So when you encounter, encounter various things that, that prove you, or various things that are difficult for you. Now, everyone who's had difficulty and adversity, say I. I. <laughs> we're supposed to be joyful. Yes, we are. What? We're, we're, it says, consider it all joy when you encounter various proofs and adversity. So, let, let's figure out, well, what does that mean? To consider. You know, a lot of times you hear the, 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 the word consider. You say, okay, you know, I want you to consider this. And then your reaction is, okay, yeah, I'll think about it. To consider, oftentimes we look at as to yeah, just you know, let it enter into your conscious thinking, you know, and see if it makes sense or not. That's not what consider means here, and I think this is really important in, in order to start our conversation. To consider is not merely to lean one way or another. Yeah, I'll consider taking the alternate route, or maybe I'll take this route. It's not what that means in this scripture. It means the word consider here means to lead or to accept. And in my mind, as I've looked at other uh, other uh, scriptures that use the word, we'll, we'll use a few as an example. In my mind, my own paraphrase of this word would mean to fix in your mind as truth. Okay. So where it says consider, in my mind, I want to take that out and say, okay, fix in my mind as truth, and then follow through with the scripture. All right. Okay. And so it's know, really a serious. That's the point, right? It's not just okay. Maybe I'll give it some thought. Is no, something needs to be fixed in your mind as truth. Now, why do we say that about this particular word for consider? Well, let's take a look at a couple of other ways this particular word is used uh, in 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 the New Testament, Uh, and and this is odd until you really think it through. Acts chapter seven, verse ten, and delivered him out of all his afflictions. And gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 
and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. I didn't hear any consider in that. Either did I, Rick. So, so what? What is the word that is translated uh, "consider" in James one verse two that is also used in Acts seven ten? It's not going to sound right, but it's the word "governor," <laughs> and he made him governor. He considered him over Egypt and all his house. And you say, well, how could you get the meaning out of the word "governor" as you would out of "consider"? Well, yeah. let's let's think it through. Because when someone is governor, they are giving guide, guidance and direction. Right. So when you are fixing something in your mind as truth, you are guiding and directing your mind. You are governing your mind. So that's why we, we say the word has a much more powerful meaning than, oh, yeah, me, me, I'll think about it. It is, look, use this to govern your life as truth. Another example of that particular word uh, used in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing for selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Okay, and the word is regard. Okay, so now when we have the idea of fixing your mind as truth and governing, now when you read that Philippian scripture and the word for regard is that same word for consider or the same word for govern, you think, oh, so instead of regarding um, uh, one another as more important than yourselves, it's like, I think sometimes, Jonathan, we read that scripture and says, and we think to ourselves, yeah, I know I'm supposed to think that they're more important than me. I really know they're not. But oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to think. This is a changing of your, your perspective. Fix in your mind as truth that others are more important than yourself. Yes. Wow. So when it says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, it's saying fix it in your mind as truth. That it is all joy when you fall into various trials. Very, very different. And that's what we need to plant in our subconscious mind over and over again. Right. To remember. So, and, and, and that's the point. This is a formula, if you will, a scriptural formula for bearing the heaviest of our burdens. And the idea is to consider it all joy. Now, we got to work on that. You know, how do yeah. you consider it joy? We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. But... Um, this is the beginning. To consider really means to fix it firmly in your mind. Now, let's go to a soundbite. This is from somebody. Oh, so we're talking about here, first of all, let me back up a second. Being proactive. That's that first habit of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Lead yourself based on what you have learned of Christ and not to live reactively. To be proactive is to not be reactive. Most, most of us, when we slog through life, we end up being reactive because we're lazy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Life makes us lazy because there's all the battles to fight. Being proactive is stepping above that. Let's, let's listen to somebody who is one of the most proactive people you will ever see, I think, in all of humanity at this time in, in history. His name is Nick Vujicic. This man was born without arms and legs. And he has become one of the most focused and motivational individuals you will ever hear. When you think about the fact that he's never had arms and legs, he has used that to provoke people to proactivity in their own lives. 
in the sound bites we're going to use today, he is speaking to adolescents. He's at a school, so you know the references are to kids probably 13 to 16, 17 years old. Okay. So here in this first soundbite, he's really focusing on you know the idea of, of of not having a purpose. Let's listen. I couldn't change my circumstance. I couldn't just one day wake up and say, "Hey, give me arms and legs. I need arms and legs." You know what I mean, like. I went to a bodybuilder, you know, and said, can you make me some arms and legs? I'm joking. <laughs> bodybuilder, you get it? <laughs> right? See, the thing, you know, I go up to people, can you give me a hand? You know, I'm just joking. <laughs> but it was so hard because people put me down. And I started believing that I was not good enough. I started believing that I was a failure. That I'd never ever be somebody who people would like or people would accept. And it was so hard, man. I thought to myself, I, you know, I can't go on, the, go on the soccer field like everybody else, and I can't ride my bike, and I can't skateboard, and all these sort of things. And I started getting depressed. I thought, what kind of purpose do I have to live? I mean, do you, are, are you just here to live to die? I mean, is there not a purpose for me? Is there not a purpose in life? You can see where somebody with that severe a set of handicaps would have those questions. Oh, yeah. And as we go through the program, we're going to see how he found his purpose and has dedicated his life to his purpose and has touched millions. So, so the first habit was to be proactive. Not reactive, but proactive. Uh, the habit number two is what? Begin with the end in mind. Know where you must go right from the start. So you've got to plant the thought. Remember it said plant in our subconscious mind whatever we plant. You've got to plant a thought. Verse 2, a paraphrase of uh, James chapter 1. Consider, fixing your mind is truth, that it is a cause for all joy. And joy means cheerfulness or calm delight. So fixing your mind is truth, that it is a cause for calm delight when you encounter, when you're surrounded with various trials. Consider it as a cause. So fixing your mind is truth. It's a, it's a cause for calm delight when you encounter, when you're surrounded with various trials. That sounds hard, but that's one of the secrets of bearing up under such burdens. Let's look at, quickly look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted... Okay, I have fixed in my mind is truth... ...as loss for the sake of Christ... More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them. Count them. Fix them in my mind as truth. But rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. So the counting, the considering, is the paradigm shift, the changing of the way you look at things. And that's the first important step in terms of learning to, to, to bear these heavy, heavy burdens. Because Paul knew where he was going, walking away from what he was became far more valuable. Because staying put was no longer an option. There was something much greater to walk towards. There was something much more important. There was some, something much bigger. That's how he governed his life. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, how do you stand when life gets heavy? Coming up, having foresight is great. But what do I do? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. When the world falls. 
listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is How Do You Stand When Life Gets Too Heavy? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. So, Jonathan, we're looking at James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. The first habit was be proactive. The second habit, uh, according to Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, great book, incidentally, the second habit is begin with the end in mind. Know where you must go right from the start. You need to know that. And that's why the Apostle says, consider joy when you fall into various trials, because it's bringing you to a better, bigger, stronger end result. That's what it's got to be. So you've got to plant that thought. And remember that first quote is, you've got to plant that thought in your subconscious mind and you nourish it with repetition and emotion. So it's got to be repeated and you've got to get emotional about it. So that one day it will become reality. Right, because once it takes root in your subconscious mind, it now has power to help direct your thinking. And that's why going pouring over scriptures really is such a, a valuable uh, um activity for for all of us because life is heavy right it is and you need to be able to stand up under the weight and and so many of us have so many things that just make us feel like i can't do it or i want to give up or i can't push anymore or i'm done i i I don't know where to go i don't know what to say i don't even know what to think we we get into that situation and you just What do you do? Where do you go? Well, what we're doing is going to the scriptures and saying, look, there's a process in scripture to help us with that. You've got to plant the thought. Begin with the end in mind. For us to be able to change the way we think about the process of an experience, to think about the hardships of our lives, we need to know where that experience is going to lead us. Following Jesus' promises when we follow Jesus, rather, it promises us promises us a new destination and therefore a new path and that means a new way to think all of those things are encompassed in second corinthians 5 16 to 19 and this is a scripture about really about beginning with the end in mind therefore from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh even though we have known christ according to the flesh yet now we know him in this way no longer therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. Okay, so new things have come. The old creature passes away. New creature, new creation is there. This is a new way to think. This is all happening inside of your mind. That's the first part. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us The ministry of reconciliation. And that is the new destination. The ministry of reconciliation. Those called to serve Christ now, to follow in his footsteps, are there for the purpose of helping the world along the the, the highway of holiness in that great day of judgment. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us 
the word of reconciliation. So the ministry of reconciliation is our destination, and the word of reconciliation is our new path. Because the word of reconciliation is the gospel. Wow, Rick. So we have a, a new way of thinking spiritually. Yes. From fleshly. Right. So what is our goal? It's to go to heaven, to help in God's plan for restoring mankind back to perfection. Right. And along the way, before we get there, we need to live the life that Christ showed us how to live. A life of selflessness and contribution and integrity and spirituality and all of those things. Now, great. That's all exciting and inspirational. But when life gets too heavy... How do you deal with all of that? Folks, if you have a thought and experience you'd like to share, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, uh, dealing with burdens is very, very difficult. It is, Rick. And we were talking about some specific burdens of, of folks that we know. That's right. And it's and it, it, it's 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 awful when it you is. think about the tremendous weight and responsibility and sometimes the necessity for change or the necessity to act when you really don't really want to. That all of those things are encompassed in the burdens that we bear. Beginning with the end in mind means that even the heaviest of our burdens can be put in the context of a higher purpose. If you are trying to follow after Christ, that's one thing that you need to understand unequivocally and repeat to yourself again and again and again. Even the worst of my burdens should be put in the context of a higher purpose. They So now, if we do that, our burdens have a why attached to them. While this step doesn't lighten the load, it does open the eyes. It gives you hope. It does. It really, truly does. Because God's got this, and he's teaching us as individuals lessons we need. So you understand that your experiences are there for a reason. They're not just arbitrary. Right. Okay. Now that our eyes are open to hope, we know where we're supposed to go. Well, what do you do next? What do you do next? Let's go back to Nick uh, Vujicic. He is uh, from Australia. You can tell by the accent. And again, if you're just joining us, this is a man who has no arms and no legs. He was born that way uh, and struggled through many, many things. In this soundbite, he is speaking to uh, a group of adolescents at a school. They're probably 13 to 16, 17 years old. And he's telling them the story of his life, and he's helping them understand that they have to latch on to certain things. They've got to believe in certain kinds of things in order to be able to bear the burdens of their lives. Let's listen. I asked doctors, why did this happen? They, they don't know. There are some things in life that are out of your control that you can't change and you've got to live with. The choice that we have, though, is either to give up or keep on going. I want to ask you, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe in yourself? Are you going to believe everybody else's judgment on you? Are you going to believe people when they say that you're a failure? When no one really likes you, no one really cares about you. And it's not really to say that, hey, you need someone to come up and say, hey, really, I, I like you, I care about you. No, it's not that, but it's the fact that people put you down. People don't even look you in the eye. So he's asking the question, what are you going to believe? And sometimes what happens is the people around us 
plant seeds in our heads that are not real. Right. They're not appropriate. Yeah. And they're not healthy. They hurt. Yes. And so he's saying to them, look, are you going to believe that or are you going to believe something that's bigger and outside of the the, 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 the people around you who, who maybe don't know any better, who maybe are saying those hurtful things out of their own hurt, out of their, their own damaged lives? Rick, they put down Jesus the yeah. same way, yeah. didn't they? Absolutely did. And Jesus, I mean, he, I suppose he could have chosen to believe him. But he didn't. But he didn't. Because he knew better. Because he knew his life was about a higher purpose. The Apostle Paul knew his life was about a higher purpose. Anybody you look at who has been an overcomer knows their life is about a higher purpose and can shut those things out. It's hard for us to do it. And we're not suggesting that you say, okay, just like magically, we're going to wave, I'm going to wave this pen and suddenly your life is going to change. No, you have to work through it. You have to plant those proper and powerful thoughts in your mind. So, so far, Rick, we have be proactive, begin with the end in mind. Right. What do we do next? Put first things first. That's habit number three. Put first things first. And then we go to James chapter one, verse three for that. Knowing that the testing or proving of your faith produces and that means accomplishes endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing all right so knowing that the proving of your faith accomplishes endurance let the endurance have its complete result so you might be so so you're going to be okay this is a real transformative verse when you think about it. If you know that the difficulties are are are, are proving your faith and they're accomplishing endurance. Well, what? Okay, they're accomplishing endurance. What does endurance actually mean? Well, Rick, it means cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy. Cheerful endurance, constancy. There's something to be said about that word, cheerful. Mm. We can endure something and you sort of like grit your teeth and bear it. Yeah. And you're angry and you're like, okay, wait till you're done. I'm going <laughs> to... Right? Yeah. That's a, a kind of endurance. But the kind of endurance that's being spoken of here is cheerful endurance. So every hard experience that and heavy experience that we go through, if we keep this in mind, this is proving our faith. Yes. And we need to... Be positive that we can, by God's grace, get through this. And the hardest part of this, Jonathan, is when you're going through a really heavy experience. You look around and you look out there and you say, I don't see any good end result here. And that's true. And that's where faith really comes in. Because faith helps us see those things that are beyond our own uh, our own vision. Mm-hmm. Okay, So how does the proving of our faith, essentially the hard experiences of our life, how do those things accomplish a cheerful constancy in our life. This proving process gives us a tangible result to look for, and that is endurance. James is telling us this one of the very first things we must focus on when dealing with heavy burdens is learning to apply cheerful constancy to our coping mechanisms. Learning to apply cheerful endurance, cheerful constancy to coping. Well, when you think about it, the Lord won't give us more than we can handle. Right. And if we trust that we're to learn something valuable to be more Christ-like, we can get through it. 
but we, we have to go back to what you just said. You have to you have to go to the checkpoints. What do I know? What do I know is true? Not what somebody told me, but what do I know is true? What do I know is honest? What do I know is good? What do I know is spiritual? What do I know is from God? And then we can say, okay, there's got to be a bigger reason for this. And instead of gritting our teeth and hanging on, we can learn how to internally, and most likely not externally, but internally smile Good. and hang on. Good. First, uh, First Peter 4, verses 12 to 16. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you are sharing the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Okay. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal. Rejoicing is not necessarily being happy. Rather, in this case, it equates to trusting the value of trials and burdens before we can see the fruit of the trials and the burdens. Exaltation, that comes later. Mm, good, okay? good. So you don't think it's strange when you have a fiery trial, and it, but, and it says that the exaltation is not going to be, you know, oh, great, you know what happened to me? The worst <laughs> thing in my entire life, and I'm so so happy no. it doesn't ever, you know we don't even want to pretend to go down that road what we want to do is see it for what it really really is so let's finish first uh, peter 4 uh, verses 14 to 16 if you're reviled for the name of christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of god rests on you make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. So we've got to look at our, our deep, deep, heavy burdens and say, wait a minute, is this because I'm, I was being unchristian? Or is it just a circumstance that's happened to me because I'm Christian? Mm, yes. Or is it just a general life circumstance that happens to everybody and it happened to be my turn? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But is it, it, am I standing for what is true and right and real in, in, in dealing with this? So, so how, how are we applying putting first things third, first? We've got to ask these questions. What's the most important thing? What is it? Christ in you. That's what our answer should be. Is my burden helping me crystallize that most important thing with cheerful constancy? And, uh, Jonathan, you know what? Let's see if we can squeeze a phone call in here. Uh, we have uh, Carol. Carol. Yeah, Carol from Connecticut. Born in Carol, and welcome to Christian Questions. Oh, hi, and I love your topic today. Thank you. And what I want to say is what's getting uh, my son, well, me, through what he endured is he has a lot of faith, but he's a, you know he's starting to walk with a boot, and he walks down the street, and he sees everybody running, and he gets depressed when he gets home. I say, listen, you could not be walking. You could be not here. You could be paralyzed. And this gentleman that you have on the radio is an inspiration, and I'm going to tell him about it when he gets up. But I compare what could be, just like I see the kids that have cancer on, on, and I, you know, on TV, and I, and I say, wow, you know, it could be worth. And I compare, and I try to bring the bright out in him. And I think slowly he'll get the point that he is a lucky man. And anyone going through anything, compare to what could have been. All right, Carol. And I, I just wanted to say that. But thank you for this topic. I'm going to listen. And it's very, very, uh, it's a very, very good topic, especially for me right now. And I'm going to tell him all about it when he gets up. All right, Carol. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. You know, words of wisdom from Carol right there. Look, at look. things could always be worse. That's right. And, and you know what? When they are worse, 
What do you do when they are worse? Well, we're going to talk about that as the program develops because we have to understand bearing heavy burdens is part of our Christian lives and we really need to apply the process to be victorious. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, how do you stand when life gets too heavy? Coming up, so priorities are set. Now, how does the weight of my burden help me? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is, How do you stand when life gets too heavy? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And if you have a smartphone and you haven't received your free app, go to your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio. And you can actually listen live to the program on your phone. And you're connected to the website and you can listen to all the archives. And um, sign up for CQ Rewind through that. It's a free service. Take advantage. Oh, it's like it's like Christmas in July or June. It's still June, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what are you waiting for? <laughs> ChristianQuestions.com. You can find everything there. Okay, so Jonathan, let's go. Let's let's keep moving forward. Burdens happen. Life gets heavy and hard, and sometimes it feels entirely unmanageable. Now, Carol mentioned something in her call that was really important. Be willing to compare your experience and say, look, it could be worse. Good point. It, it could def- that's, that's, a, that's a good place for us to get started. Other things we need to do is to put things in order. You know, put first things first that we were just talking about. The next habit of uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is to think win-win. Now, you think, oh, okay. I'm in the middle of one of the deepest, darkest traumas of my life, and you want me to think win-win? I mean, what is wrong with you? And that is certainly not the, the – applying this here is not the, the glorious application we'd like it to be. But let's, let's walk through it. Back to James chapter 1, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously – and without reproach. So, uh, and, and, and giving to all generously without reproach. Without reproach means without chiding or without defaming. And it will be given to him. So, you've got to ask the question, why is wisdom the thing to be asked for? Because wisdom is the embodiment of the first three habits. Being proactive, beginning with the end in mind, and putting first things first. We can't progress in the footsteps of Christ. We can't stand up under our burdens without the wisdom to be proactive and not reactive, without the wisdom to find the why of our experiences, to begin with the end in mind, and without the wisdom to spiritually prioritize our experiences and put first things first. And Jonathan, that is so important prioritize the experience. Where does it fit? How is it going to help you inevitably get closer to God? And, you know, sometimes we don't know the answer to that. You're right. You're right. But we need to know the answer that, by God's grace, this will help me get closer to God. I may not know how right now, and I've had experiences, and I know you've had, where you're going through it, and you're saying, 
I don't see anything good out of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there can be. Wisdom will help us put our heavy burdens in a clearer and much, much more manageable perspective. Well, Rick, the scripture says without reproach. Yes. How hard is that? The flesh wants to react. Yes. It wants to lash out yeah. when there's a wrong. So we need to understand that there, self-control is such a big, big part of this. And again, where do we find the inspiration for self-control? It's not because we're so strong, but it's because Christ in us is so strong or should be so strong or we want Christ in us to be so strong you lean on something bigger than yourself how often going through our hardest experiences do we lean on somebody else who's stronger than us often for guidance often. for words yes. for for inspiration yep. for the next step we need that this is exactly what we need folks if you have a thought it's 866-985-4255 let's go back to Nick Vujicic, he is talking to he's a, um, a gentleman who was born with no arms and no legs, and he's talking to a group of students, uh, middle school, high school students, and just talking to them about finding a purpose for their lives. And now he's talking about, in this particular soundbite, finding his own purpose. See, all things come together for the good. That's how it is in my life. You see, there's nothing good about having no arms and no legs, is there? No. If I, you know, click my fingers, metaphorically speaking, and your arms and legs disappeared, do you think you'd be happy with me? No, you'd come run after me and headbutt me, okay? Because there's nothing good about having no limbs. But I love my life. Do you want to know why? Because I've seen the purpose. Because I have no arms and no legs, you're all listening to what I have to say. This is maybe the most attentive you've been in any guest speaker. Because everybody else is boring and what would they know anyway? That's what you think. Don't worry, I was at school too. What pain do they know? But you see me and you see what sort of pain I could go through. And what I've gone through. And all of a sudden now, I'm seeing all of you. And maybe for the first time, you're believing these words out of my mouth saying, I love you. And you don't even know me, but you actually believe that I do love you. I, you know, that, that particular soundbite encompasses so, su such inspiration. He said, you know, my purpose, I found my purpose. And that is to help people understand about dealing with the burdens in their lives. Why? The fact that I don't have arms and legs makes you pay attention. And now I've got you where I need you. Now I can teach you something. Now I can help to lift you up. Now I can show you the way. And it's such a beautiful example of win-win. How can having no arms and no legs be a win-win? Mr. Nick just told us how. It's an incredible experience to, to behold when you watch somebody who gets it so thoroughly and then dedicates themselves to teaching others the same things. Let's go to uh, James chapter 1 now, verse 6. But he must ask in faith without doubting. And that means without any hesitation. Asking in faith without hesitating. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So here we go back to the lessons. Remember we were talking last week, I think it was about trust. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Unflinching trust. We go back to those lessons on unflinching trust. Asking in faith without any hesitation. Our faith must provide the strength of foundation to live in trust that God will provide whatever we might need. 
Now, wait. I didn't say he's going to provide what we want. I like that. You're right. I didn't You're say right. he's going to provide what makes us comfortable. Right. I didn't even say he's going to provide a solution. He's going to provide what we need. Okay? Let's make sure we see that clearly. But... In, in this wisdom thing, look, we're not like Solomon in that we can just ask for wisdom and then have God grant it to us. Our asking for wisdom is actually living in faith. Our living in faith and studying the scriptures is asking for wisdom. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 15. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God, not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to ruin of the hearers. Okay, that's, there's no win-win there, is there? No. <laughs> you know, wrangling about words, arguing and all that. There's, there's, no, there's no positiveness that comes from that kind of, of, of interchange. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So when to, to accurately handle the word of truth, that's where you find the win-win in, in asking for wisdom. For we in, in our asking are seeking for it with diligence. So what we're doing, Jonathan, is we're saying to God, okay, yes, I know I, I need a lot of wisdom and not worldly wisdom or Rick's wisdom, but God's wisdom. Where do I find that? In God's word. Yeah, there's a, it's a pretty simple equation there. So if we are seeking with diligence God's wisdom through his word, we are much more likely to find it there than by watching television at night. <laughs> Just the thought, okay? <laughs> Thus we grow as we seek for wisdom. And once we have more wisdom, we not only grow more, but we can now help others do the same. And you look at the example of Nick Vujicic and what he does with his life he helps others to grow through their pain and their suffering and their trials and their viewpoints on their lives and Jonathan that's another thing sometimes when we get under the heaviest burdens of our life our view of life gets skewed by the by, by the by the weight of the burden that's right and it can push us in the wrong direction and now we look at life with hopelessness we look at life with a sense of 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 no energy and no ability anymore, with a sense of resignation. And that's what heaviness of burden does to us. And look, all of us can fall under that. These scriptural principles are saying, okay, you need God's wisdom to help you overcome those kinds of things. You need to really focus on thinking above, on doing things differently, on, on, on following a different path other than the one inside your own head. That's one of the great tools the scriptures are telling us on how to deal with this so remember he's talking about asking in faith without hesitation okay because the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven back and forth you know you just you have no direction verse 7 of james chapter 1 for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the lord but a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways so, not seeking with unflinching trust will only bring us instability. Asking in faith, stand and seek in faith and receive the wisdom to transform burdens to blessings. And again, it's not an instant transformation. Sometimes burdens take years and years to find the blessing. But it's worth it. Yeah, it is. And sometimes we won't find the blessing of our burdens until afterwards. Until after our death and resurrection. But the blessing is always there if we're seeking after Christ. Wisdom helps us to see our burdens for what they are and what are they. 
An opportunity to flourish in the faithfulness of God. Say that again. An opportunity to flourish in the faithfulness of God. And that is the perspective, the win-win perspective we really want to be seeking. One more scripture before the end of this hour, Jonathan. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 15. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with that temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. So here you have a a scripture that really puts it in perspective. There is no temptation you that is taking you, first of all, that, that other people don't have. Right. There's no trial, there's no difficulties, there's no experience, there's no tragedy that happens to you that doesn't happen to others. That's right. Take heart in the fact that God always is watching out for you if you are seeking him. Always. And that is a great win-win. How does win-win fit into bearing the weight of our burdens? Once we put first things first and prioritize that seeking first the kingdom is our primary objective, we can then be on the same page as our master. And boy, I'll tell you, if you want to be on a page, that's the one. You got it. Okay. (laughs) And then we can then begin to really grasp that our burdens are tools of faith. Burdens are tools of faith. Where there is a burden, there is a potential win. Because where there is a burden, there is the potential to activate and apply our faith, to learn to trust, and then to take the steps to overcome. And we can help others that are going through similar burdens once we learn the lessons the Lord and has for us. that is a magnificent thing. You know, in, in, in some of the hardest experiences of, of my own life, Jonathan, the learning process was not easy. But once you go through the learning process and you get it, and now you can start to apply it, and then you can start to see little victories, then you're right. Now you can open it up and say, hey, this is what I learned from my experience. And that can be an inspiration. That's what Nick Ujicic does in the second hour. We're going to hear much more from him, as well as more of the habits and processes that the scriptures put in place for us to be able to stand up Not just to grit your teeth and bear it, but to stand up under the heaviest burdens of life and to find victory in Christ. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we will be back after the news and all that. But till then, this is such an important subject, so don't go away. How do you stand when life gets too heavy? It is possible. You just need to learn what's most important. We'll be back soon, but till then, think about it. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Stephen Covey. We've been talking a lot about him this morning. Stephen Covey once said or once wrote, The key to valuing differences is to realize that all people see the world not as it is, but as they are. 
Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And, and Jonathan, this morning, our subject matter is pretty serious and very widespread in its application. What's the question? It really is, Rick, because life is hard. And our yes. question is, how do you stand when life gets too heavy? And our theme text is found in James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So we're talking about learning how to stand up under the heavy weight of the experiences that just just knock you flat, that not only knock you down, but keep you down. And then once you're down, they beat on you. How do you learn to stand up under the weight of of those experiences and we all have those kinds of experiences and so to do that we're looking through doing two things we're looking at james chapter one we're going through verses two through eighteen because there's a process uh, laid out for us there in james and then we're using the seven habits of highly effective people from stephen covey's book entitled the seven habits of highly effective people to sort of be a backdrop to the explanation. And then we're using a very inspirational individual, Nick Vujicic, who is a gentleman who has no arms and no legs uh, and is a motivational speaker and it just helps people to, to get a hold of things. So, Jonathan, a quick recap of the first hour. We went through four different um, habits. What are they? Be proactive. Lead yourself based on what you have learned of Christ to not live reactively. Live Proactively, not reactively. The next is dealing with burdens is tough. Begin with the end in mind means that even the heaviest of our burdens can be put in the context of higher purpose. They now have a why attached to them. So if we can understand that we there's a reason for the difficulty and the weight and the tragedy and the hardship, it helps to put it in perspective. What's next? Next point is applying, putting first things first. Ask these questions. What is the most important thing? Christ in you. Is my burden helping me crystallize that with cheerful constancy? Remember, not just gritting your teeth and bearing it, but the the scriptures tell us that we want to be able to bear these things with cheerful constancy because we have the why. And now we're putting first things first. We've we've created a priority in our lives. What's next? How does win-win fit into bearing the weight of our burdens? It enables us to be on the same page as our master and begin to really grasp that our burdens are tools of faith. Where there is a burden, there is a potential win. Our burdens are tools of faith. Our burdens are tools of faith. That is such an important point. What's the fifth habit, Jonathan? Seek first to understand, then to be understood. See, this is where the rubber really now begins to meet the road in terms of practicality because the previous habits are all really about ourselves, about what's happening inside of our own minds. This is now branching out and looking around you. And Jonathan, sometimes in our lives, we have people that plant poison in our lives. They hurt us. They do. They do. And and, and they say things and and, and, and we, we look at that and, and you feel defensive and maybe they accuse you of things that maybe might have a, a, a little bit of truth attached, but they really make it bigger. They manipulate. Yes. They, they do all of those things. And you say, well, well, how does seeking... Why, do, why would I want to understand somebody like that? And the answer is because human nature 
plants poison when human nature is hurting? Rick, we all have different experiences, weaknesses, and different personality types. And we have to deal with all these differences of individuals. So by understanding them, we can't cure them. But by understanding them, what we can do is begin to put it into perspective and say, okay, they're doing this because they are hurt somehow or other. They're not in their right mind somehow or other. They're flawed. So what can I now do with that particular understanding? So let's go to... James chapter 1. Let's go to verses 9 through 11 uh, in, in this idea of seeking first to understand and then to be understood. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and it, the flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So, too, the rich man, in the midst of his pursuits, will fade away. It's odd. You know, in these James scriptures, he drops wisdom in, you know, earlier. And now he's talking about rich guys and poor guys and saying, you know... Well, well, you know, how, how does this all fit together? We'll and he look. talks about scorched grass, too, and I have a <laughs> yard full. I plant a new grass, and, and that all died, but the old grass is still there. Okay, now, <laughs> look, is that one of those really heavy burdens in life? <laughs> no. I didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> the weight of our burdens has to be seen for what it is. There are times when the weight is as a result of persecution or circumstances or mm-hmm. other reactions to spiritual right, uh, righteousness like that humble brother. Right. And as we mentioned before, people, you know, being a, in attack mode for no really good reason. And there are some times when the weight is actually related, directly related to our own doing, to our own thinking, to our own desires. And, and we that, have to humble ourselves to be aware of that. Right. And, and that's represented by the rich man in this particular verse saying, you know, you're hanging on to all of these things and these things are your most important things and that's creating extra burdens for you. You got to learn to let go of those things. So sometimes these burdens come to us and the heaviness comes because of circumstances uh, and, and, you know, helps us to grow spiritually. Sometimes it's a wake up call mm-hmm. that yes. we better yes. start growing spiritually. Good. Okay. Good. Big you're difference. Right. You're right. Understand the source of the burden, then act on that clarity. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. I missed you last week. You did. Well, we were here. (laughs) (laughs) I was in Los Angeles, and uh, at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, I was meditating on a, a commitment to the local church, so... When I came to my, uh, recalling the, your program, it was 8.44, your time. Mm-hmm. And the screener says, Are you gonna? no, I said, I, I cannot uh, jump in now because, you know, I know you, you're trying to summarize at that time. I didn't want to infringe on your time. So I just left a message uh, with the local screener, with the, your screener. In any event, uh, yeah, uh, I went to visit a uh, 49-year-old friend on hospice yesterday and uh, I prayed for wisdom you know four of us went to see her uh, out of town and I prayed for wisdom and I think the Lord gave it to me because I gave one simple uh, thing I said to her and to the group around her I said folks I said you know uh, no matter how long the tunnel is God's promises always 
put a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just that simple thing. You know, you know why I think it helped her? Because as we were saying goodbye, I was hugging her. She would let go. <laughs> so I, I think I think it was helpful. With God's help, we, God always helps us to say the right thing. But anyway, thank you for such a, a remarkable uh, uh, analysis on uh, you know what to say, what to do with God's wisdom and all that. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Good day. Bye bye. And, and look, he just he just expressed one of life's heavy burdens. You know, visiting somebody who's in their forties, who's in hospice. I mean, enough said. You know, what's happening? It the weight is so immense. How do you cope with such things? And and just along those same lines, you know, like he said, God puts a light at the end of the tunnel. Know how long it is? Yes. No matter how long it is. Just got a, a message in from the the app, and it really fits in with Julius's comment as well. It says, "Good morning, guys. Burdens are tools of faith. Amen." When I take my problems to God, I say, and listen to this, she says, I say, Lord, I know you have already solved this. Help me to trust that you, that your will for my life is complete and your plan for me is already accomplished. Thank you for this Bible study, uh, Beth in Tennessee. Oh, wonderful. So the idea is, yes, that's the point. God's got it in control. It's already solved in his mind. It may not be solved in the reality of our lives yet. And that may not even come to resolution in this life. But that's irrelevant. God has it in control, and he controls eternity. That is relevant. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Let's go back to Nick Bujicic. The guy has no arms and no legs, but he's got a heart that is bigger than you can even imagine as he is speaking to teenagers about his life experiences encouraging them to cope with the burdens of their lives let's listen what about this let's say that you have a problem in your life and you want to give up now imagine if someone 10 years older who's gone through the exact same thing that you have actually got through it and came to you and said, you know what, I know how it feels. I've been there. I've been going through what you're going through now. But I'm still here. Would that not encourage you? Could that possibly save your life? Yes. Is that not a purpose worth living for? And that's why I believe in you, because that is the greatest purpose. It's to love. Honest. It's to, it sounds... Corny, whatever you want to say, I don't care. I love people because there is freedom and power in loving people. <laughs> there is freedom and power in loving people. And, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And when you uh, try to understand those who are hurting you, it helps us to be able to cope with the, with the, with the, the darkness and the evil that they may be sending our way. You can't cure them. But if you at least understand that there's hurt behind it, it helps us to be able to put it in perspective and to listen to the right voices in our heads. Yes. Because all those voices swim around and oh. you've got to separate what's real from what's not. You've got it. Sometimes we can best bear the weight of our own burdens by bearing the weight of others because there's strength in numbers. The early church had issues of disagreement and those issues needed to be faced. The scriptural way to face them was not 
to browbeat those who were wrong. Rather, it was to accept and support them in their conscience. This is a beautiful scripture, Romans 15, 5 to 13, because they had disagreements in the early church, and this is how the apostle is expressing how to deal with it. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you too be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Being of the same mind did not necessarily mean agreeing. In this case it meant acceptance cooperating and co-laboring in the face of disagreement. The burden of Jewish heritage was so heavy, and it was circumcision versus uncircumcision, eating meat offered to idols That's and, right. or, or not. Okay, The burden of Jewish heritage was so heavy that no one was asked to discard it. Instead, they were all asked to understand each other first and then to seek to be understood so they could walk together for a collectively higher cause. Put down the elements of warfare against one another. Cooperation. And learn from cooperating to then co-labor. Let's go mm-hmm. back to Romans eight uh, 15, rather, verses 8 to 13. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing to your name. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So seek first to understand, then to be understood has two applications in bearing the weight of our burdens. First, we need to seek internal understanding of why we are carrying specific burdens. And second, we must reach out an understanding of our brother's burdens before we can expect our brother to understand our burdens. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, how do you stand when life gets too heavy? Coming up, so we need to understand each other. Now, what do we do with that understanding? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, how do you stand when life gets too heavy? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget to interact with us on our Facebook. And you can tweet us at CQNet Radio. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, this is one of those subjects that we can take home and work with immediately because we all have heavy burdens in our lives. And and sometimes we just lose hope and we lose objectivity. But the scriptures tell us, look, you don't have to if you decide to put things in their in their right perspective. We're using the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, a great, great book by that title. And uh, we're up to habit number six. What is the sixth habit? Well, Rick, it's synergize. Okay, synergize. 
create synergy by 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 co-laboring by finding others that you can work with. Let's get now to the theme scripture of our program, James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So now we're getting finally to the core of the matter. Perseverance under trial is the key to attaining spiritual life with Christ. That's what it says. Perseverance under trial is the key to attaining spiritual life with Christ. So what does it mean to persevere? Rick, it means to stay under or behind, remain, to undergo, bear, trials, have fortitude, persevere. All right, and and I like the thought of to stay under. In other words, the weight is on you. Don't run away from it. Stay under and learn to stand up under that weight. How do you do that? And most of the time, Jonathan, we can't do that in our own strength. We have to do that in a strength that is above ourselves. Um, This is the key, and it is the same key for each and every called out one. It's the same thing. To stand under the pressure, to push through the pain, to fight the fear, these are all common denominators for all who are Christ's. It's truly a battle to be won or lost inside your own mind. Rick, I like the lexicon's definition. To endure, bear bravely and calmly ill treatments. Uh, Bear bravely and calmly. To bear. In other words, and and I always think about in in this context, I think about my son who's in the Coast Guard when he was in in, in boot camp. And, you know, they really put you through misery in boot camp. And and, and I, I asked him specifically, how do you bear the pain? He said, you embrace it. You own it. It's yours. Embrace it. Make it part of you. Don't fight it. Accept it. And then you can fight your way through it. Words of wisdom from somebody who knows. Yes. So, and Jonathan, just a a, a quick comment from uh, the app. And and folks, keep sending the messages. We really love to hear from you here at uh, ChristianQuestions.com with your app. Just send them in. And if we can get them on the air, we'll do so. Uh, this this uh, comment from the app, uh, Christian Questions app says, What a mess we are in in this world. <laughs> we are sinking fast. Will God help us? He already is. But he is not saving the world in its present form. Actually, in several weeks, we're going to be doing a program. Uh, and I think the title is, uh, Has God Lost Control of the World? So that's coming up in the middle of July, I believe. Listen for that program, because we're going to spend two hours, essentially, on this particular question. So thanks for sending in that comment. Uh, Let's go back to Nick Vujicic, the gentleman with no arms and no legs, giving young people, giving adolescents something to hold on to in their trials and difficulties of their lives. And, you know, he's talking to them about, you know, when they fail. And he's talking about, you know, when, when, when you fall, sometimes you're afraid to get back up. Let's listen. So what do you do when you fall down? Get back up. Everybody knows to get back up because if I start walking, I'm not going to get anywhere. But I tell you, there are some times in life where you fall down and you feel like you don't have the strength to get back up. You you sort of put a mask on your face when you come to school and pretend that everything's okay when it's not and you go home and lay in your bed when no one's looking at you, when you don't have to impress anybody, and you're yourself. And fear comes in. You know the fear that you have as soon as you walk into the doors of your house, maybe there's a broken home, 
Maybe you have doubt in your life. Maybe you don't know for sure what's going to be happening in the future and it scares you. So he's saying, look, sometimes we get into that situation. And look, we all have that happen. He's talking to, to adolescents. But as adults, you have those same kinds of doubts come. You do, Rick. And, you know, oftentimes we put on the mask when we go out into public and we don't let other people see them. But then we come home and we, and, and we come and we settle into the loneliness of our own heart and mind. And in that lonely place is where the doubts and the fears can really gnaw away at you. How do you get out of that? One of the seven habits of highly effective people, according to Stephen Covey, is to synergize. Now, what if you're all by yourself? Okay? I mean, what if you can't synergize with others? Well, let's talk about synergizing with others first, and then we'll, okay. then, then we'll go to the being, being all by yourself. Synergize with others. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. See, there, that is, is focusing on those around you in a positive perspective. Having this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. So it's showing you Jesus in his pre-human existence in a very humble state, saying, no, 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 I'm not meant to be equal with God. I may be spiritual, but I'm not meant to be equal. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Taking the form of a bondservant. He now became that human, which very, very, very much lower from where he came from. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. For this reason also... God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that's the mindset, that utterly humble, serving mindset that uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, have this attitude in yourselves that Jesus had. And then he describes what Jesus did. So we can and should push and pull each other up to the highest heights of humble service. And that sounds weird. The highest heights of humble service. (laughs) (laughs) Because... Humility is, is, is raising God up. That's what it is. It's understanding life for what it truly is. It's, it's truth. Humility is proclaiming truth and, and how small we are. And being able to do that in a sense where we can encourage one another is such an important thing. So in this, into this humble service and the likeness of Jesus, if we push and pull and, 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 and cajole each other into this thing, the weight of our burdens looks different when we mutually engage this way. When I know you have burdens, yes, and you know I have burdens, and we sort of trade them off, mm-hmm. and, and, and we help each other to focus on something higher, something stronger, something better, something outside of me. Because you know what? Focusing on just me is, is not only dangerous, it gets boring after a while. Okay? And focusing on something bigger and better, and that is our Christ-likeness. And so we have to have those around us to synergize with yes right so where do you go well and that's the key who are you choosing to to get into that synergy relationship with who are you choosing are you choosing to synergize with those who are poisoning you not a good choice because who you trust 
that are following in Christ's footsteps, those that are fighting the battle like you're trying to fight? And I would suggest those that you look up to from a spiritual standpoint. And you think, well, you know, what time would they have for me if, you know, if you look up to somebody? And sometimes, unfortunately, when we look up to somebody or others, sometimes we put them on some kind of a pedestal that they don't belong on. And all you're doing, when you look up to somebody, you should appreciate the good and the value that they bring to your life. But realize they are just like you. Realize they are just like you. Find synergy with those individuals and watch how your burdens can begin to take on a different meaning in your mind. And then you have to make the choice to take that meaning and make it valuable in terms of your life. So we do need others. You're right, Jonathan. And you need to find the right people to synergize with. Another thing we can do if, we, if nobody's available and we're, we're in the loneliness, the lonely parts just ourselves, right. we can synergize through the promises of God. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Earlier we talked about the idea that bearing up under trial is the key to finding faithfulness. Here's the other part of that key, is by these, these precious and magnificent promises, because of them, which incidentally are there to help you bear up under the weight of your burdens. In God's word. So those two things are are. are undeniably connected by these you become partakers of of the divine nature so it's the claiming of the promises to be able to stand up under the incredible weight that is trying to destroy you and tear you down there is a way there is an answer there is a method we just have to choose to follow it the weight of our burdens cannot compare with the precious magnificence of God's promises. And that came through with the app comments uh, and, and Julius's phone call. And, you know, God is bigger than my trial. God is bigger than my burden. Let me just trust in that. And I think of the scripture, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Right. And these promises strengthen. And, we, you know, when it says I can do all things, does it mean that I could jump off a, a you know, a 30-story b- building and, and land well? No. no. That's not what it's Spirit talking about. Spirit of a about. sound mind, right, please. Right, <laughs> I can do all things. In other words, I can meet the challenges of all of the experiences of my life through Christ who strengthens me. That's what that means. Because the challenges of the experiences of our lives are there by God's overruling providence for our benefit. This is how we bear the heavy burdens. Another synergizing factor, we can synergize with others. We can synergize through the promises and the word of God. And we can also synergize with Jesus. And this is, this is a beautiful thought. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It says, for consider him. Now remember at the beginning of the program, we're talking about the word consider in James chapter 1 verse 2 as being, you know, to fix in your mind is truth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is a different word for consider. This word means to meditate upon deeply. So in other words, this is how you synergize with Jesus. You meditate deeply upon his life, his teachings, his experiences, and his example, and say, I can gain strength from doing that. When you're focused on something bigger than you, your personal burdens become smaller. And really, Jonathan, that's what it, co it comes down to. When we're fo focused on something bigger, the burden has to, by definition, become smaller. You know, Jonathan, you had mentioned you had a quote uh, from uh, uh, something, uh, a plaque or something at your house. Yes, I did. And it really, I think, is very, 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 very appropriate right here. God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Paul and Silas out of jail. He could have kept the three Hebrew children out of the fiery furnace. But God has never promised to keep us out of hard places. What he has promised is to go with us through every hard place and to bring us through victoriously. And that was from Merv Rossell. There you go. God could have, but he didn't. And it reminds me of that last uh, app comment, that question, is God going to help us? God could have done a lot of things but chose not to because God understands in your life, and folks, yes, we're talking to you, in your life, the difficulty of your experiences is there for the purpose of your growth and your development. It's there for the purpose of something much bigger, much better, much stronger, much, 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 much broader than your imagination can even grasp. So why not allow yourself to go through those things, bearing the weight by relying on the scriptures, relying on Jesus, relying on those who can help to build you up? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, how do you stand when life gets too heavy? Coming up, how do we take all these things and make them permanent parts of our daily thinking? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, how do you stand when life gets too heavy? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And if you'd like to write to us, you can write to us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. And Jonathan, let's just uh, give a few last words on synergize before we get to the seventh habit. Synergy. Bearing the heavy weight of the burdens of our lives can be so much more easily accomplished when we make use of the energy, when we synergize with what we have available through Jesus himself, through the word of God, and through each other. This synergy will change our weariness to strength, our discouragement to courage, and our lack of direction to clear focus. The human form is built to synergize. We are built to respond 
to the encouragement and to the positiveness of others. We are built. You think of a marathon runner when the, you know when they when they are starting to, to fall apart near the end of that grueling grueling race, and the shouts of the crowd help them to just keep on going and to finish, and then they collapse. But they finish first. They respond to the to the encouragement of the fellow human beings. By the same token, we can respond to the poison in vitriol, and we can synergize. From the negative. Right. Oh. And so. That can just wear us out. Choose your synergy carefully. Go through scriptural, spiritual means to find the right kind of synergy uh, in your life to be able to bear those heavy, heavy burdens. What's the seventh habit, Jonathan? Rick, it's sharpen the saw. All right. The final habit. Sharpen the saw revolves around the idea of always honing your skills, always revisiting your lessons learned always refining your approach in dealing with our heavy heavy burdens the sharpen the saw habit is the implementation of the other six habits that have helped us envision what we must stand up uh, uh, under uh, under what we must stand up under in a new way we've got to be able to stand up under the weight in a different way because what we've tried maybe hasn't worked right so let's find a new way to do that. Folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time, 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. So, sharpening the saw. When you go to James chapter 1, we've gone through most of that chapter now there's kind of like a review, uh, and James brings in something else, and he's saying, well, why is he bringing this in? It's because this is part of sharpening the saw. Listen, James 1, 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So let's be clear on this. God allows our temptations, but he doesn't create them. He allows them, but he doesn't create them. Because he allows the world of sin to do its work. But he's not going to create them. He overrules our trials and engineers our testing experiences. But God does not tempt us. And this is important because to sharpen the saw, to... to, to practice and drill and rehearse, if you will, you need to understand where these things come from and how God is overruling them, but not necessarily creating them. Um, Verses 16 through 18 of James chapter 1. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. So here's the inspiration to go and sharpen the saw again and again and again. God only brings us ultimate good and ultimate blessing and he doesn't change. And then, look, when you want to get something that's sure that you can always count on, you want to go to a source that you know is going to be reliable. And that's our Heavenly Father. So you look at the source's track record. Okay, how long has the source been around? Eternity. <laughs> what kinds of things have they done? Created 
unbelievable things. What kinds of wisdom have they displayed in that in that track record? Beyond our comprehension. So when we want to find the truest, highest, strongest, most noble and loyal oh. an- answer available, wow. that's where you go. So again, let, let's just pause here for a, a couple of minutes, Jonathan, because today's program is about the difficulty of standing up under the heaviest of burdens in our lives. And we all have them, and these burdens oftentimes are tragedies. You know, we heard from Julius talking about a very, very young uh, woman who's, who's dying uh, in, 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 in hospice care right now. Uh, we, we've, we know of, of many other circumstances where, where people get involved and, and do things in their lives and create an environment in their own lives that are, that are, are poisonous. And then they bring that poison to us. And, and, they, and they inject the poison of those experiences into our lives. And now we have this incredibly difficult burden to bear. And, and oftentimes, you know, you run into people that are, that, that because of their pain, because of their suffering, because of perhaps addictions and all those kinds of other things, they're manipulative. And, and they're trying to get from you things. What do you do? Because now their voice is in your head. All of these habits we're talking about are making sure we understand that, first of all, they're fallen human beings. And there's reasons for them being there. We can't justify them. We're not going to try to cure them. We can't cure them. But by understanding it, we can release the vitriol from our daily experience and cling to the goodness of the Word of God. You've got to make the choice to make the choice. (laughs) <laughs> gotcha. If you don't, you know, nothing good is going to happen. Let's go to our final soundbite from uh, Nick Vujicic. And he's talking about not giving up. He's talking about finding the strength. And remember, he's talking to adolescents in this particular uh, speech. And it's not the end until you've given up. And just the fact that you're here should persuade you that you have another chance to get back up there's still hope. I'm not here today to tell you that I understand your pain. I don't know how it feels to be abused. I don't know how it feels to feel, quote, fat and you've got an eating disorder. I don't know how it feels to have a broken home. I don't know how it feels. But I know how it feels to have a broken heart. And I know how it feels to be alone. And I want you to know that I found my strength in Jesus Christ and you're going to find your strength in whatever you find it in. But I just want you to know that it's not the end. It matters how you're going to finish. Are you going to finish strong? And you will find that strength to get back up like this. And what you have to realize is he, no arms and no legs. He's on a table on the stage. Okay, he's on a table and he, and he can kind of like waddle around a little bit and he has let himself fall down. And he's basically flat on his face on the table as he's giving this. And he's looking up and talking about, and he basically says, you know, it should be impossible for me to get up. I've got no arms and no legs. How can I possibly get up? And then he shows you how he can. And you know that it took an incredible effort to to discipline his body, to contort the way he has to contort so with no arms and no legs he can get himself up from being flat on his face. And he's saying to these Kids, look, it's not over until it's over. You still can finish strong 
even when you feel like it's impossible and you're face down and you don't know where to go. There's hope. And a man with no arms and no legs has the authority to tell you that. And, you know, I, I would encourage you to look him up online. He is incredible, incredible individual. So, Rick, we need to accept our experiences for the good. Yes. No matter what the Lord provides, there's a lesson for us to learn to grow by. Right. Okay. So let's, let's go back now over these seven habits as we wrap this up. And let's see if we can put it all in perspective. Because we're talking about, folks, we're talking about you. And we're talking about the hardship of your life. How do we better cope with that? James chapter 1, verses 2 through 18, is backing up the seven habits of highly effective people written in the book by uh, Stephen Covey. First habit, go ahead, I'm sorry. Be proactive, not reactive. Be out in front knowing that the heavy burdens will come and prepare prepare for them by building your faith and trust. All right, you've got to be out in front of the whole perspective by saying, I know this is part of being a Christian. This is part of the contract. And instead of reacting when the burdens and the difficulties come, I'm going to be proactive and build my life upon the fact that this is what was promised and God also promised his guidance. So be proactive, not reactive. Begin with the end in mind. Know your why. Know that you are focused first and foremost on spiritual things and that all burdens can ultimately help you attain that end. So knowing your why in terms of your difficult experiences is such an important part of this thing. If you know why, the how is now uh, can be found. Without knowing the why, you can't ever figure out the how. So knowing the why, knowing that there's an end result here is such an important thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's right. Begin with the end in mind. Third, the third habit. Put first things first. Manage our burdens Managing our burdens becomes far easier when they are put in their proper place in regard to the rest and often more important parts of our lives. So sometimes, and this sometimes can be a shock when you're going through the heaviness of a burden, sometimes that burden is not the most important thing. And we need to put first things first and say, like you said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is the most important thing and does this burden, does this burden supersede it or is it just a part of it? Mm. Good point. Put first things first. Next next habit. Think win-win. All things work together for good for the called according to his purpose. Harshness and heaviness are therefore winning experiences. And that is such a hard thing to get. You know, my the, the, the harshness of this experience, the heaviness, the tragedy of this is a win-win-win experience. Come on, give me a break. No, God is giving you a break because he's showing you that there is a why for it, and that because eternity can wipe out all sin, all of the, d- the difficulty and negativity is off. What's next? Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Why am I burdened? Is it me or outside circumstances? How can I see and understand and help with my brother's burden and he with mine? So this has got two parts to it. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. First... We've got to look inside and say, I've got to understand. Ask myself the question. Look myself in the eye when I look in the mirror and say, okay, is this particular burden and tragedy and heavy trial and difficulty because of my own foolishness, because of my own choices, because of my own thinking, because of my own pride and my own ego and, and my, my own, my own uh, rebelliousness? Or is this something that comes from the outside? 
And if it's because of our own things, then we have to work on those things. That's right. Okay? We've got to understand. But in, in, in other circumstances, when those burdens come from others who just are, are in, in their own human, fallen human lives, are hurting, and they spread poison, we have to understand them. We can't cure them, but we can understand them, and it helps us to be understood finally. The next point. Synergize. Realize that all who are in Christ shared in the bearing of heaviness. Seek to share the promises. Share Jesus. Share the weights and the blessings. If we find those others who are spiritually minded and humbly enough go to them and synergize, we will find they have burdens as well. And by, by spreading our burdens between ourselves, we find better strength to be able to stand up under them. And you can synergize with Jesus. You can synergize with the promises of Scripture. And finally, the last habit is... Sharpen the saw. Practice, drill, and rehearse. Absorb Scripture. Thrive on fellowship. And be instant in prayer. So take the things that we've talked about here and put them in a perspective that really can make sense. The burdens of our lives are temporary. The struggles of our lives are here and they have a purpose. What we can now do, according to James chapter 1, is we can take those things, put them in perspective, find wisdom from God, wisdom from above, understand that that wisdom can help us to find the strength to actually stand up under the weight, to bear the pain and to move forward because the glory of God is on the other end of this. We may not see resolution to our problems in this life, but God has resolution to them in eternity, and that is what counts the most. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We've certainly enjoyed being with you. Back again next week with another subject. But till then, how do you stand when life gets too heavy? You apply the scriptures, and you be determined to stand in Christ. Till next week, think about it.